It's just not possible to gain that much in value that quickly with declining revenue. And that's when I really had the epiphany that investing was not about stocks and bonds. Investing is about innovation. The belief is if there's a new piece of information, that it will be instantly incorporated into the price of the stock or the bond or whatever. But that's not how people change their minds. Welcome back. I'm Hayden Brain, and you're listening to Opto Sessions, where we interview the top traders and investors from around the world, uncovering their secrets to success. You're listening to the second episode of our compilation series. Today's episode comprises insights from about two of the most talked about innovations over the past decade, electric and autonomous vehicles. This discussion proves particularly timely in light of last week's Super Bowl commercial, criticizing Tesla's self-driving cars. In the past months, we've spoken to brilliant investors and thematic experts regarding the progress of EV adoption and the pros and cons of autonomous vehicles and the investment opportunity they offer. In August, we spoke with investing legend Kirill Sokolov, CEO and founder of 13D Research. In that interview, Kirill discussed the current state of the electric vehicle market and his outlook for EV growth. It's a dominant factor in electric vehicles. And there's a catch-22 here, and Mr. Market is such a cynic. So if we do have a peak oil, and the ESG movement is, in effect, forcing continued underinvestment in fossil fuels, the only way out, therefore, if you're not willing to find more fossil fuels, which you may not be able to find anyway, is to go with electric vehicles. And I'll give you a small statistic here. There are 1.4 billion vehicles in the world. 95% of them use liquid fuel, which is oil, and 60% of oil demand comes from transportation. How many electric vehicles do you think there are? As of May, last time I looked, there were 15 million. 15 million versus 1.4 billion. How long will it take? And there's a huge bottleneck in copper, lithium, cobalt, and nickel. So it's the bottlenecks. I want to invest in the bottlenecks. In October, expert investor and financial educator Brian Feroldi shared why he thinks the EV sector offers an exciting long-term investment opportunity. So another one is the shift away from uh, internal combustion engines towards electric vehicles. I'm pretty confident that even if 2023 is a, is a big year, it's a, big, um, it's a terrible year economically, if recession happens, that more consumers are going to shift away from internal combustion engine cars and towards electric vehicles. Now, the pace... Of, of adoption of electric vehicles might decline, like the growth rate might decline if, if the economic conditions are, are severely uh, poor. However, I still think that the market share of electric vehicles is going to grow when compared to ICE vehicles. And I think that that trend should play out over the next at least 10 years, possibly uh, 20 years. So when I'm making tactical investments, I do want to make sure that there are either strong tailwinds in place for the entire market or at the very least, a very strong reason that a company is going to continuously take market share in a market that is at least stagnant. Investing in declining markets is not something that I'm really interested in. In December, GlobalX's head of research, Pedro Palandrani, explained why electric vehicles represent one of his high-conviction investment ideas. Well, if you think mm-hmm. about it, Electric vehicle sales this year are expected to be greater than 10 million units around the world. That's up from 6.6 millions in 2021. So that's over a 50% growth rate 
just in 2022, where basically a lot of the things that could go wrong went wrong, and still electric vehicle adoption continued to grow. So I think that resilience, that uh, capacity of many of these thematic or many of these themes to mitigate a lot of the cyclical factors in our economy is quite remarkable. I think we all can agree that the future of the transportation is going to be electric. We could argue when that's going to happen, when electric vehicles will represent more than 50% of total car sales. Could it be 2030, 2035, 2040? We could argue about that, but we know that that's going to happen. So that really having a long-term horizon is really important here. Moving to autonomous vehicles, in December 2022, we spoke to Amir Whiteman, co-founder and managing partner of Champel Capital, a VC firm with a focus on investing in deep tech headquartered in Israel. In the interview, Amir addressed the future of autonomous cars, how they improve safety and how long adoption might take. There was craze all over the world about uh, autonomous driving a few years ago, right? Remember, everybody thought, yes, there's going to be autonomous cars in 2020, 2021, maximum 2022. It's not happening, right? So what do we see now? We see all autonomous driving stocks which crashed this year, including Innovis, which went down almost 50% since it went public over a year and a half ago. So the question here is, should you just say, well, autonomous driving was just a scam, it's not happening, let's dump the stock of Innovis and all the other uh, companies, right? So this would be a very, very wrong approach. I think that what is happening is that it is happening. Autonomous driving is advancing. We are going the right direction. What was wrong was the time frame of this advancement. In other words, people were thinking that we were going to reach level five, which is the fully complete, fully autonomous cars by uh, 2022 or something like that. This not this was not realistic to start with. But again, it goes back to your previous question, you know, and and, and what I said about human beings being either euphoria or in uh, depression, right? And not people finding it hard to be uh, to be reasonable, I would say. So the expectations were not realistic, but again, now people are way too pessimistic because what's happening is that level three, which means that the car is mostly autonomous. It's not 100% autonomous, but it's mostly autonomous, is happening. But what are the concerns related to the safety of autonomous vehicles? The level of safety that you actually are requesting from autonomous driving is higher than the level of safety that you're requiring from human. Uh, driving uh, cars, right? Because although uh, many, many people are killed, uh, God forbid, or injured by uh, car accidents, so long as it's a man-made error, then people kind of accept it, right? But when the, it's part of life. But once it's a computer's error, this is already not acceptable. Why is that the case? I'm not sure. But the reality is that already today, if our tolerance for accidents was the same for uh, computer-driven cars, as it is for man-driven cars, then we probably would have already now you know, autonomous driving to a certain extent. But because this is not the case and because the, the levels of safety that we are requesting, that we are requiring from computer-driven cars is much higher, then we want to actually be able to reach this level of safety, right? So what's the problem? The problem is that through existing cameras of companies like Mobileye, for instance, which is also an Israeli company, It's a great technology. It's working actually very well. But the problem is a camera is a camera. Uh, What happens when the weather is not good, when there is snow, 
when there's a lot of rain, when there is fog, when mud uh, or dirt just goes onto, uh, onto the camera, then the system actually stops working properly, right? Or maybe the resolution of the camera is not enough, or there may be dead angles, who knows? There are all kinds of issues like that. So cameras are great, and it's very important, but it is not enough, okay, to reach a fully autonomous uh, uh, driving. So what are the other available technologies? Then you have radar. The greatness of radar is it's a very old technology, right? We have radars for over 100 years. We know how it works, and it's working actually very, very well. The problem with radar is that it works very well with objects which are in movement. But when objects are not in movement, this is already much more complicated. So what happens if you have something which is stuck in the middle of the road, not sure that the radar will always be able to uh, detect it as fast and as well as you want it. So you need more than that. Now, one thing that's important to understand is that eventually it's not going to be either or either this technology or, or you know, it's going to be both technologies. I mean, eventually I envision because of uh, redundancy issues, right? What happens if one or also of your uh, uh, system stuff working, you need to have backup. So eventually I'm expecting uh, autonomous cars to have LIDARs. In September 2021, we spoke to Bob Brown, CFO at AI, a leader in AI-driven LIDAR systems for autonomous vehicles. Brown discussed how LIDAR is the future for autonomous driving and how the technology works, including details of how it accurately tracks a speeding bullet. One of the key elements of our system is we really have one platform that can do a lot of different things, which we think is pretty unique in the LIDAR industry because we can do exactly what you're saying, where we could track a bullet and then we could, you know, in the next frame, we could say, okay, now we're going to go look for cars, right? and have it do something very different. So we really did that uh, bullet tracking demo just through software. So that's our standard off-the-shelf platform. And we just modified the the software on the fly. You just configure it differently, and then we can uh, basically track the bullet. You can think about it as basically almost being like the eyes of the car. So what LiDAR does is shoot out a laser uh, pulse. And what most um, LiDAR providers do is what's called time of flight. So it shoots out a laser pulse of light, and then based on how long it takes that bounce back to return, so that light will go out, it'll hit an object typically and bounce back. And based on how long it took that bounce back to occur, you can measure exactly how far away an object is, um, because we know the speed of light, obviously. So using that and sending out millions of these pulses um, in very short order, you can create what we call a three-dimensional point cloud. Uh, So think of it as a camera image almost, but it's three-dimensional. So millions of points all over the screen um, that basically tells you the exact distance to different objects and can tell you the outlines of the objects. So you can tell, is it a a car? Is it a person? Is it 200 meters away? Is it 500 meters away? So that's sort of data. So it really is this three-dimensional point cloud, we call it, of data that looks uh, in many respects like a photograph, but it's got a lot more data um, and information in terms of, you know, the outlines of the object and exactly how far away it is, which obviously is is critical if you're, you know, trying to do a self-driving application, for example. So biomimicry is something that we talk about a lot here at AI um, because we're really trying to replicate the capabilities of the human eye and and even go beyond that capability. So ultimately, we want to make vehicles even safer uh, than human drivers. And, uh, 
know, they're not quite there yet, but uh, there's been been a lot of progress. But um, we think, you know, AI's LIDAR will, will help make that, that vision a reality. We think the vast majority of the market is going to want LIDAR and is going to deploy LIDAR. Um, and, you know, Tesla's uh, one exception to that. But I think when LIDAR gets cheap enough and, and good enough that, you know, they, who knows, they may very well revisit that. Um, and uh, certainly that that's going to be our, our goal is to make sure we can make this very high performance technology that AI is delivering and get it into vehicles at the right price point and put it everywhere. In June, we spoke to Jay Jacobs, the US head of thematics and active equity ETFs at BlackRock. In his interview, he discussed what he called an industrial renaissance and the role autonomous vehicles play within it. We have a huge shortage of truck drivers. We have busy, clogged roads. We have roads that are damaged. How can we use things like electric and autonomous vehicles to improve the transportation space as well, ease some of the burdens of trucker shortages? So those are the three areas that we're really most excited about when it comes to the industrial renaissance, infrastructure, robotics and automation, and electric and autonomous vehicles. If you go to San Francisco, you really can't go more than five minutes or 10 minutes without seeing you know, these autonomous vehicles driving around the city mapping the city, trying to understand different situations and develop that artificial intelligence to be able to navigate city streets. Where are we today with that? Um, you know, there's increasing amounts of trials of truly autonomous robo-taxis happening around the country. This is not widespread yet. This isn't, you know, going to be your next ride from the airport, but uh, we are starting to see the needle move with more trials. Uh, and if they're successful, specifically within designated areas, then we could start to see it being expanded further and further. So I, I think one of the misconceptions around autonomous vehicles is that we're just going to flip a switch and a car is going to be fully autonomous and be able to go anywhere and everywhere at any time. The reality is it's much easier if you if you kind of parse out different areas, different geolocations, um, and make them available to autonomous vehicles. So if you have hundreds of autonomous vehicles driving around San Francisco every single day, mapping the city, understanding every little nook and cranny of the streets, it's obviously going to be much easier for a car then to drive autonomously through San Francisco than you know the desert in, uh, in New Mexico, where there hasn't been as much mapping. So um, what we see is kind of a phased approach in autonomous vehicles, where there's going to be certain areas that have been you know, appropriately mapped where there's a regulatory um, support for them so that you know the local city or state is comfortable with autonomous vehicles operating there. And maybe even completely designated lanes that autonomous vehicles drive in that are you know, more protected or at least you know, pedestrians or other cars know that this is where autonomous vehicles are going to be. But if you can start to kind of segment where autonomous vehicles can operate, then you can, um, you can kind of ease that transition into autonomous vehicles. But what are the sectors that will be most impacted by the transition to autonomous vehicles? So we've seen that start with robo-taxis. I think autonomous trucking is going to be a fascinating area. There's huge economic benefits to it. There's been a a trucking shortage in terms of the number of truckers. Trucking costs have gone up. You see massive turnover in the trucking space each year in terms of, you know, basically the entire trucking workforce has to be replaced almost every year given the high turnover there. So this is an area where autonomous vehicles could have incredible impact. Again, reducing shipping times, reducing costs, maybe even you know better uh, emissions control if if you can uh, if you can be kind of more thoughtful about autonomous vehicles, or of course transition to electric vehicles. And you know the good part of that is that a lot of trucking happens on you know pretty defined and, and simple to navigate routes. So as difficult as San Francisco might be to navigate, 
you know, driving down Highway 5 in California is pretty much a straight shot. So that, in theory, should be much easier to get autonomous trucks comfortable with. Jacobs added that a big benefit from increased AI and driverless vehicle adoption will be a boom in productivity. AI could be an incredible boom for productivity, but AI really expresses itself in a lot of different ways. You know, one form of AI is autonomous vehicles. So, you know, you can think about how much productivity we could get out of, uh, out of having an autonomous vehicle. You know, I don't know how much time you spend driving each week or how much time people spend commuting. I would probably save a few hours a week for sure if I could have an autonomous vehicle take me from point A to point B. And that means if I'm not driving, then I'm either probably consuming something or working. Uh, there's, there's really kind of not that many states you can be in. And so if I had a few more hours, I'm you know maybe shopping online, maybe I'm watching an online video, or I'm responding to emails. So that could be a huge boon for the economy that's really kind of indirectly related to, um, to enhancements in AI. But it goes much further than that. I mean, we could see AI uh, being used in our jobs, uh, robotics process automation, where simply you look at some of the more repetitive tasks that you do every day and automate them. And that frees up more time to work on the more creative, you know, more interesting tasks. This is an area that I think has incredible opportunity that we've only really skimmed the surface. He also commented on whether car ownership might become obsolete as a result of autonomous, summonable cars becoming more mainstream. I would say that's kind of the distant future. If autonomous vehicles really get to that state of they can take us anywhere at any time, no questions asked, Mm. then yes, then, you know, it really does kind of challenge the idea of car ownership, but that's going to be a ways away. You know, we're still working through, you know, the various levels of autonomy right now. We're kind of in level three out of five, uh, I would say, in terms of kind of the capabilities of, of autonomous vehicles. So it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, probably several years until we get to that point where, you don't necessarily need a car around because you can just order up any car you want at any time and it can take you where you want to go. Let's dive into our guests' different investment strategies related to electric and autonomous vehicles. Pedro Palandrani told us that Gobelex was able to capture the true investment potential of EVs before they became mainstream, focusing on building the right portfolio for the right theme. We tried to take a holistic approach in trying to understand what are the different uh, ways that we could potentially target that investment opportunity? So, for example, in electric vehicles, we're not only looking at electric vehicle manufacturers, for example, although we do have electric and autonomous vehicle ETF, we also look at other different avenues. And, for example, our lithium and battery technology ETF is one example, right, where essentially we're trying to capture the picks and shovels behind electric vehicles by looking at lithium miners in the supply chain of battery technology. One of the you know, verticals that we believe could really benefit the most as we think about greater electric vehicle adoption. So I think that that's really that top-down approach that we try to take in really understanding uh, what's going to happen in the future and how can we offer that to our clients in an intelligent and unique investment solution. Clearly, if you're an investor, you look at valuations, you always try to time, what's going to be the best entry point, which is very challenging to do. But as an investor, you always try to to do that. But what makes me more bullish or just to have higher conviction in many of these themes is that, again, even in 2022, where we have higher inflation, rising rates, geopolitical tension around the world, you still see a lot of these trends continue to do what they're supposed to do, right? And it's just gaining adoption, continue to see companies growing, not only their top line revenue, but seeing 
greater adoption of their different technologies that they're offering. And I think that's what really gives us a very high conviction in many of these themes. And today we touch on many of those, everything from electric vehicles to kind of the supply chain within electric vehicles like lithium and battery technology, even cybersecurity, robotics, all of these themes that are really very well positioned to benefit over the next 10, 15 years or more. Jay Jacobs discussed how BlackRock's iShares self-driving EV and tech ETF captures the investing opportunity that autonomous and electric vehicles offer. Our ETF uh, iDrive, IDRV, is an ETF that gives exposure to the electric and autonomous vehicle space, looking at you know not only the car manufacturers that are building electric and autonomous vehicles, but the companies that are putting in the parts, uh, supplying those cars, uh, going all the way upstream to battery producers and the materials that go into batteries, as well as the developers of AI software and hardware. So each of these funds is really looking at the entire ecosystem behind these themes. It's not one company or one segment. It's really several segments that we see benefiting from the rise of these powerful megatrends. Amir Whiteman talked about the potential of Innoviz, one of Champel Capital's major portfolio companies, which creates LiDAR systems for autonomous vehicles. Innoviz is going to be in a BMW on the roads by November next year. That is just 12 months from now. Oh. Under 12 months, actually. It's happening. Volkswagen signed a huge deal. Volkswagen has got 10% of uh, global market share, right? So this is the largest uh, group in the world as a car producer, right? It's one of the largest in the world. They have signed $5.6 billion, I believe, dollars uh, deal until 2030. It's a real deal. It's happening, right? There's another Asian OEM whose name is not public, but they signed a deal, which apparently is a significant deal. They signed a deal in September. There's another OEM which signed a deal again. The name is not public, but it's a significant European OEM, which was signed already a year and a half ago doing autonomous shuttles, right? So you're going to have, if you want, more and more adoption of this technology at level three. Still, it's not level five, but it's level three. Now, just for people to understand, Tesla now is at level two. So the level of autonomy that Tesla has is very low, right? So we're talking about a level on top of it, which is much more significant. And looking forward, uh, maybe seven, 10 years from now, we're going to reach level four. And then eventually we will reach level five, but this is probably 20 years away or something, 15, 20 years. But at the end of the day, I think the whole world will turn autonomous. It's a process. But it will, because this is the right thing to do. We all understand it's going to make all our cars much, much safer. This is going to reduce, this is going to increase our standards of living. This is going to make driving much, much more comfortable experience. It's going to make our roads safer and save a lot of lives. So it will happen. It is happening. It's not only a theoretical, it is happening, but it is happening at a reasonable and realistic pace. I, I want to talk as an investment advisor for a second, but if you ask me, you know, at the last earning call of Innoviz, Innoviz announced an increase of the size of its order book from 6.6 to $6.9 billion of orders. The valuation of uh, Innoviz, as we're speaking, is probably around $700 million or so, more or less. So, you know, you don't need to be a genius to understand that this, there's money on the ground there. You just need to bend down and pick it up. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take for this stock to, to reach the, the level that it should be trading at reasonably now, but nobody knows because so long as the market is going to be depressed, 
then I'm not expecting to see a, a huge increase in the, in the share price. But at some point, once people actually calm down, then I believe the, the stock will do extremely well because it is dramatically underpriced, dramatically. Not talking about uh, increasing 20 or 40% or 50%. I'm talking about having VC uh, returns on a, on a publicly traded stock. Most investors we talk to seem to agree on one thing. Despite witnessing a declining performance of electric and autonomous vehicles equities in the last few years, they remain bullish on the sector's investment potential over the long term. Guests suggested different ways to capture this opportunity, investing across the EV-AV value chain, which includes manufacturers, battery producers, material suppliers, and technology enablers. As they said, the electricity-powered and autonomous future of transportation is arriving. Thanks for listening to the second episode of our compilation series. We hope you enjoyed it. Next, we'll collect insights from past interviews on different thematic investment strategies. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening, everyone. Just a quick note before we sign off. If you're looking for an easily digestible daily update on the markets, this might be of interest. Opto Updates is our short newsletter sent every day during the trading week, giving you a bulleted list of the top seven stories from the global stock markets. We've done the hard work for you, highlighting relevant opportunities and trends. And in addition, we'll also keep you notified of any new products, stock reports or webinars from the Opto world. If you're interested, sign up using the link in the show notes. And thanks also to CoFruition for consulting on and producing the show. Until next time. CoFruition.